It's great to see you guys again. Um, <clears throat> for those who don't know, my name is Chris Gatlin, and my wife and I, uh, we are missionaries with the Navigators. We lead a collegiate ministry at the University of Virginia, and uh, we've been married for almost 17 years, and we have three kids. Um, I think I know probably what you're thinking when you found out just now that Steve wasn't going to be speaking this morning and that I was instead. Probably your first two thoughts were, man, this guy's like 30 years younger than Steve. And your second thought was probably, and far more fit and handsome. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I'm probably like 40 years younger than Steve, actually. So, Just kidding, just kidding. Actually, I... I uh, love Steve. He's such a great guy. I have so much respect and admiration for him and, and uh, um, glad to be able to, to fill in for him. Let me pray and, and we'll jump in. Lord, this morning I pray that you would block out all the distractions and that you would steady our hearts and focus our hearts to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, that you would move us out of our comfort zones. And God, most of all, I pray that you would change us to be more like you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it was a, a while ago, some time ago, where I saw a friend that I hadn't seen in a couple of months. And when I saw him, I asked, how are you doing? He said, he said yeah, you know, fine. You know, things with the, the family are fine. And and, uh, you know, things with the kids are, are just fine, and, uh, and so we chatted some, and, and that was that. And then I ended up seeing him a couple of days later, and I, and I just felt impressed to ask maybe some deeper, more penetrating questions. And so I did, and, and within a couple of minutes, he went on to tell me that um, he felt like his, his marriage was completely hopeless, that he felt like he was in an, an unchangeable situation. There was no hope for change. And he said, to be honest, Chris, I dread waking up every day because I feel like my situation's never going to get better. And, and afterwards, as I was reflecting on our conversation, I, I asked myself the question, why two days ago did he lie straight to my face and say everything was fine when things weren't fine. And then, a couple of days later, he, he actually told me the truth. Why would he, why wouldn't he just tell me the truth to begin with? And, and I think it's because he felt the same powerful pressure that you and I feel in our culture today. It's a pressure to present yourself as someone who has their life together. It's a pressure to hide your weaknesses to hide your struggles and problems, to focus on your strengths and accomplishments, and to appear to be strong and in control of your life. It's a pressure to never let anybody see any chinks in your armor and always appear happy. It's a pressure to always wear a mask. Have you felt it? Have you felt it? Do you know what the problem is with this pressure and the mask that so many of us wear? That pressure goes against how God has designed us to live. You see, God has placed within each of us a deep longing to be fully known. And we all want people to genuinely and deeply know us. And yet, if we're honest, we often feel lonely and isolated. In fact, sometimes we don't feel like anybody truly knows us. 
But if we really want to be known, then why are we so reluctant to show the real me to other people? Why are we so careful about what we allow people to see and not see about us? You see, I believe the answers to those questions have to do with a word that everybody likes, but most people are afraid to practice. And that word is authenticity. And this morning, I want to explore the topic of authenticity. And to do that, we're going to examine four questions about authenticity. What is authenticity? What hinders authenticity? How does authenticity affect relationships? And how do I walk in authenticity? So with that, let's jump into the first question. What is authenticity? If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to take a look at verses 5 through 7. I think we have it on the screen as well. 1 John 1, 5 through 7, here's what it says. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, in the Old Testament, light symbolized both purity and knowledge, right? So God is saying in these verses that followers of Jesus will live in both purity and in knowledge. In other words, if the light is turned on, then there's nothing hidden in the room. Everything can be seen. And so to walk in the light means that we don't hide our sin or our faults and that we don't pretend And we let others truly know us. You see, authenticity is letting people see the real me. It's letting people know what is really going on in my life. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's letting people know my real struggles and my real emotions. It's letting people see my weaknesses and failures, not just my strengths and successes. Authenticity is the opposite of hiding. And authenticity is honestly answering the question, how are you doing, instead of just saying fine, if you're not fine. Right? Authenticity is telling the whole story instead of a revised version of the story that makes me look better than I really am. Right? And, and we do this in, in a number of ways. Um, as an example in my life, right? Uh, I'll give you several different levels that I could share with someone uh, about the same issue, all of which you'll notice at the beginning makes me look pretty good, and the more that I share makes me look a little bit worse, right? So somebody says, oh, Chris, how are you doing? I say, oh, you know, just had some struggles lately, you know? Pretty vague, but pretty normal, and you don't think that much less of me or whatever. Then I say, you know, same conversation. I say, you know, uh, you know, it's been hard lately. I've been struggling with some anxiety, but, you know, I'm making it through. Okay, now I've gone, you know, one level deeper, right? Um, Then, you know, hey, how have things been going lately? Well, you know, man, uh, yeah, you know, for probably the last, you know, 11 years, I've been suffering from anxiety, and it just kind of comes and goes, and it just continues to be a challenge for me. And and I'm continuing to walk with God and trust Him in it, but, um, you know, uh, some days and weeks are good, and some days and weeks are, are not so good. Now, everything that I just said to you, all of those responses were true, but the first couple were pretty focused on still trying to make me look pretty good. And the last one was the only truly 100% honest one, right? 
And, and we do that in so many ways every day as we think about what do I tell people about me, about my life, about what's going on inside of me? You see, for most of us, letting people see the real me is our greatest fear. Because we fear that if people see the real us, then they won't like us, they won't love us, and they'll reject us. Right? But if, if people see the real me, they'll see that I'm messed up and wounded and broken and that I really don't have all of my life together as much as I would like to display on the outside. Right? And so because of that, most of us hide our true self and we portray what I like to call our ideal self. Right? Our ideal self is an edited version of our true self minus most of our sin, minus most of our true struggles, and minus our insecurities. It's the person we want other people to think that we are. You see, most of us are afraid to look at our true self because we don't like what we see. And we think that if we don't like what we see, then other people won't like what they see. You know, when we were... Uh, when my wife and I were in college, uh, we've been dating since we were sophomores in high school, um, and <clears throat> one, of the things, one of the things that we were struggling with was, uh, since, since there's kids in the room, I'll try and be a little more general, but I'm just going to call it purity in a, in a relationship. We'll keep it general for the sake of some of the kids in here. But that's one of the things that we were struggling with, and, um, and, and we thought that we could beat that on our own. Right, and and what would happen to me, especially in our later years of college, is I just became just kind of riddled with guilt and shame. Because when you're hiding sin in your life, it just sort of eats you away and eats you away and eats you away. And and it became more and more difficult for me to sort of like look myself in the mirror, knowing that I had this like hidden sin in my life. And um, and I remember just thinking to myself, you know. I could ask for help. I could reach out to some of my friends who I know would have wanted to help us, but I didn't have the, the courage or the humility to do so because I was so concerned about what other people thought of me. And, and, um, and once we graduated college and uh, we got married shortly thereafter, um, I just decided I'm not going to ever live with that level of guilt and shame ever again. I would rather just be open and honest and have people not like me than to be able to look, than to have to look myself in the mirror and not like myself. And so I decided from that point on that I would no longer live in inauthenticity, hiding my struggles, hiding my sin, because I just was like, you know what? It was just a miserable experience for me. And I was like, man, I, 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 I can't do this anymore. And, and so from that point on, um, by God's grace, he's He's helped me to move from an inauthentic person, maybe one of the most inauthentic that I knew, to, to an authentic person. And you see, when we refuse to let people see the real me, it's a refusal to trust God. You see, portraying our ideal self to others is a way that we try to maintain control over our lives and over what people think of us. We're about to look at Galatians 2.14, but before we do, I want to give you the background on this verse. So what's happening is um, Peter and some of the other disciples uh, are, are hanging out with, uh, with the Gentiles, and they're eating with them, and everything's great, and all of a sudden, some Jewish people stroll into town, and as soon as the, the Jewish people stroll into town and they come and hang out with them, Peter and, and their buddies are no longer willing to publicly associate with the Gentiles and continue to have meals with them. Right? And Paul's writing this letter and he says, 
whoa, 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 whoa. Are you kidding me? And this is what Paul says to him. He says, he says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And, and so Paul gives this rebuke to Peter and says, hey, hey, you can't live one way when a certain group is, is in town and a different way when another group is in town. He said, that's not the way it works. And then he says these powerful words. He says, when I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. When I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. You see, Paul is saying in this verse that if you're a follower of Jesus, your life has to be consistent in all areas with the truth of the gospel. Not just some areas, not just the ones people see, but in all areas. In other words, don't try to live in such a way that you make people think that you don't have issues and like you don't need God's grace and forgiveness because you do, and so do I. And when we live in authenticity, it's a declaration of our belief in the gospel, right? In the gospel, we have come before God with all of our sin, with all of our regrets, with all of our struggles, with all of our mistakes, with all of our weaknesses. And we declare that we cannot fix ourselves, that we can't rid ourselves of the guilt that we feel for our sin. And in the gospel, we find that Jesus, he died on the cross for every one of our sins and that his blood is sufficient to cover over all of our guilt. And now, being covered in the righteousness of Christ, God tells us, I accept you as you are and I love you as you are. You are now forever my son or daughter. You never need to hide anything ever again. And now we have the opportunity to actually demonstrate our belief in the gospel by letting people see the real me and by embracing my true self and declaring that although I am imperfect, the gospel has made me whole. And because of that, I no longer need to hide anything about my life. I no longer need to pretend or perform or hide. The next question I'd like for us to look at is what hinders authenticity? What hinders authenticity? I think, I think fear is one of the primary things that drives inauthenticity. You see, one of our greatest fears is rejection. Right? And because of that fear, many people become people pleasers as a way to try to gain approval and acceptance in their life. Right? And people pleasing is when we make decisions based upon what other people, what we think other people will say or think about us. Because people pleasing cares more about what others think than what God thinks. And people pleasing always moves us away from authenticity because it makes the approval of others our chief goal. You see, fear of rejection can also cause us to wear a mask and pretend to be someone or something that we're not. Because a mask, it hides my sin and struggles and it only shows you the image that I want you to see. A mask enables me to become an expert at hiding. Listen to this quote from Jekyll and Hyde that captures well the idea of hiding. Here it is. There is a face that we hide till the nighttime appears, and what's hiding inside, behind all of our fears, is our true self, locked inside the facade. End quote. You see, the fear of rejection also causes me to be afraid to let you see my weaknesses and my shortcomings. And so I work hard to try to manage my reputation and my image. 
But I think also a second fear that hinders authenticity is the fear of failure. See, this fear causes me to refuse to face and acknowledge the darkest parts of my true self. You see, in college, I could not face my true self. I couldn't face the fact that I was incredibly sinful and selfish and wildly insecure and oftentimes weak and often in desperate need of Jesus. You see, those thoughts made me feel like a failure, and so I ran from them. I didn't know how to come to terms with them and actually still like myself, and so I just ran away from them. And so as, as we think about what is it that hinders authenticity in our life, my guess is, certainly for me, but my guess is that for you too, it's tied to some of the fears that are deep beneath the surface in your life. So now I want to I I now ask the question, how does authenticity affect relationships? How does authenticity affect relationships? If you, if you take a look at 1 John 1.7, here's what it says. 1 John 1.7. I think we have it on the screen. There we go. That was the prompt that was needed. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This verse says that if we live with authenticity and nothing hidden, then we will experience true fellowship, which is real friendship, deep friendship. So real authenticity results in true fellowship and in deeper relationships. Real authenticity results in the one thing that we most long for, a heart-level connection with other people. You see, every person on earth wants to feel connected to others. But when we're not authentic, we cannot have a true connection with others. You see, when we hide what's really going on in our lives, it actually makes me feel more isolated and less connected to others. You see, when we're Inauthentic, when we're inauthentic and hide things in our lives, we're actually putting on a mask. And when people try to love us, they're actually loving the mask and not us. So wearing a mask actually prevents us from receiving love because people are not loving the real you. They're loving the ideal self that you're putting forth and that person doesn't really exist. So authenticity enables and promotes true love in relationships. And when I'm authentic with you and you are authentic with me, it enables me to love the real you. It says that I love you as you are and not as you wish you were, and that is a picture of the gospel. Because do you realize that is exactly what God has done for us? He has loved our, our true self. And because he's loved us in our broken state, he's freed us to love others in their broken state. You see, when there's mutual authenticity in a friendship, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. So my question for you is, how many people who are actively in your life right now really know the real you? Just think about that for a second. How many people that are actively involved in your life right now, actively, they know the real you? You know, for most of us, it's not many. But I want to encourage you that in addition to your spouse, you should have one to three friends in your life that you see regularly who fully know you. Not who somewhat know you, but who fully know you. Right? That's why small groups are so significant, right? Because you can actually go deep with people and get to hear 
the real them, and get to hear their story and their struggles, right? And as you think about other people getting to know you, I have a thought that I want you to consider. This is a thought that I heard once from a well-known pastor named Matt Chandler, and I've, it's, it's made me think for a number of years. And his, his thought was this, to be 99% known is to be unknown. To be 99% known is to be unknown. In other words, if you're holding back 1% of yourself from your closest friends, then no one really knows the real you. Am, Am I saying that every single person ought to know every detail about your life? No. But a few people should. And for the rest of your friendships, you ought to be authentic enough to be able to share 85 to 90% of who you are with everyone, perhaps withholding a few deeply personal things. But for many of you, I suspect there's some area of your life that you really need to share with others and bring into the light right now. Maybe you need to share that you're struggling with an addiction to pornography or an eating disorder or loneliness or betrayal or bitterness or anxiety or depression or lying or selfishness or pride. Or maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Or maybe you've got some health issue. Or maybe it's some other trial that you're walking through. But I want you to know that I've seen God deliver people from all of these things and more. But each person had to first bring their struggle into the light. So that God could bring help and encouragement in each of those areas. And for those of us who are married. The truth is that virtually everyone experiences significant significant relational struggles in their marriage at times. Right? I don't know if I've met anybody who said, yeah, things have just been so easy for our entire marriage and we just relate with each other so well and we always love each other. It's awesome. I haven't met that person yet. If they exist, I'd love to meet them, but I haven't met them yet. But I want you to know that for some reason, even though it's true that we all experience challenges in our marriage, for some reason most people I've observed are not humble enough to seek out a counselor who can help resolve their issues and help them to love each other better. You know, God has used marriage counseling to help and bless my marriage more times than I can count over the years. And they've they've helped us to learn how to love each other better. And I don't know about you, but, but I want to better love my wife. I want to be a better husband. And my guess is that you probably want to be a better spouse too, no matter whether you're killing it or whether you're doing a really poor job. My guess is that you want to be better, right? That's why you married your spouse, right? And and I just want to encourage you that if your marriage is not healthy and it's not growing, I want to encourage you to find a Christian counselor who can help you. You will be so glad that you did. As we think about this idea of authenticity, I want to share with you a story um, But because there's kids in the room, I'm going to try to be ambiguous enough to make it not totally clear, but clear enough so that you understand what I'm saying. So I'm going to give it a go. We had a girl in our our ministry whose name was Laura, and uh, she had uh, a very difficult past. And, um, And there's all kinds of different ways that we can be wounded in life, but the way that she was wounded... um, is, is both illegal and it's also something that people are required, that the, the state tracks them after these offenses, if that makes sense. And, um, 
And so that was her, was her past. It was a really, really difficult um, upbringing. And, and she, was, uh, she was involved in our ministry, and, um, and she came forward and basically said, hey, I have this, this in my past, and, and is there a way that you guys can help me? And we connected her to a counselor who specialized in those things for women. And, um, and, and God began to bring healing to her. And as God began to bring healing to her, she decided that she was going to share with her entire small group her story and what God was doing in her life as a result of it. I mean, imagine the courage, right, to tell all these girls in her small group about, about the most personal thing that had ever happened to her. And, um, and she did, and as she did, um, several girls came forward and said, hey, uh, like, that's, that's happened to me too. And, um, and she got such a positive response from the girls of connecting with her story that she came to me and she said, hey, can, can I go and share with all of our, you know, women's Bible studies, like, my story to see if it could help them? And I said, Laura, if you want to, you're welcome to. And she did. And she went and shared with them. And, and more girls came forward and said, hey, I've, I've had that same tragedy in my past. And, um, and Laura came to me and she said, Chris, all these girls have come forward and, and they've shared with me that they have this same thing. How can we help them? And, uh, and I said, well, um, why, don't you, why don't you see if they'd all be willing to get together in a group and we'll bring somebody in who specializes in this to walk you guys through uh, a time of, of healing and pursuing God together in the midst of, of all of this. And that's exactly what she did. She went to all the girls who came to her and she said, hey, you know, and every single girl said, yes, I'm in. And, and, and all of a sudden from this one girl's courage and authenticity, many, many women in our ministry found hope and healing. And, and they began to understand the healing power of God. It all started because one person chose to be very vulnerably authentic. And it was one of the most amazing things that I saw. And because of that, for years, we were able to minister to women because Laura started the process, and so then it became normal for girls to be honest about their struggles, and we were able to help them by the grace of God. You see, authenticity and walking in the light brought healing for Laura and countless other girls because of her courage. And I want you to know that authenticity can begin the healing process for you too, no matter what it is that you need healing from. So the last question I want to look at this morning is, how do I actually walk in authenticity? How do I walk in authenticity? Look with me at Galatians 2.14 again one more time. We, we read it once, but here's what it says. It says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So this verse tells us that the way that we relate with people should be consistent with the truth of the gospel. So the question is, what does that mean and what does it look like for you and me today? Right? How do I actually walk in authenticity? Right? And I want to say that I think it means two things. First, I think it means that you have to accept your shortcomings. You've got to accept your shortcomings. Right? That you and I, we are sinful, selfish, and imperfect people. And if you accept that truth, then you no longer need to try to hide that from other people. 
But if you refuse to accept that you are sinful, selfish, and imperfect, then you'll spend the rest of your life trying to hide from other people that that's true about you. But I have terrible news for you, and that is that this book already lets me know that that's true about you. So you're wasting your time trying to hide it. It doesn't say, hey, you know what? You are sinful and selfish and imperfect except for Bob. I didn't read that in here. I didn't read that Bob was the exception. And sadly, as much as I'd like to tell you that I'm the exception, my wife can quickly attest to the fact that I am not. And if she weren't really respecting me right now, she would stand up and yell, amen. (laughs) Right? So the reality is is that if we can just accept the truth about ourselves, then we don't have to try to hide it from people. Right? We don't have to try to pretend like we don't need Jesus because we do. (laughs) And so it's okay to acknowledge that reality. But the second thing I think we have to do is we have to embrace the gospel. The second way to walk in authenticity is to embrace the gospel. And you say, Chris, what does that mean exactly? I want to give you a quote from one of my favorite pastors. His name is Tim Keller. This is what he says. He says, You are so bad that Jesus had to die for you. But you are so loved that he was glad to die for you. He says it, he says it, he paraphrases it also this way. He says, you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. But you are more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. You are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. But you are more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. You see... You are completely loved and accepted by God if you have a relationship with Jesus. And if you do, then when God looks at you, he sees his precious child who's covered by the righteousness of Christ and is fully forgiven of all of your sins. And if you really believe that, then it frees you to be you. It frees you to be you on the good days and the bad days. It frees you to be honest and vulnerable and authentic with others no matter what your sin or struggle. You see, the gospel delivers you from being defined by your sin. And so therefore, you don't need to define other people by their sin. You see, embracing the gospel always results in freedom and authenticity. And there's a thousand reminders that God gives us every single day that this is true in our lives. Right? And if you're a parent, I just want you to know that I think, (laughs) I think that Marriage and children are my most frequent reminders of how imperfect I really am. And we we have three kids, uh, 10, 8, and 5 are their ages. And I told Jana, I said, you know, I try so hard to love our kids and to be patient with our kids. But i got to be honest with you. I think that if I'm not apologizing to them probably like four or five times a week, I think I'm doing them a disservice. Because... As much as I'd love to say that I'm like the world's most awesome parent, I get impatient with them. I get snappy with them, right? Just last night, I got annoyed at a couple of different things, and so I kind of took it out on our oldest a little bit. He's like, he goes, whoa, dad, somebody's a little grumpy. And I was like, how about you get out of my face and go to your room right now, you know? And and then afterwards, you know, like my my daughter and my wife are both looking at me and, and, uh, and it's like coming to my realization like, you know, when, when truth and wisdom flow from your 10-year-old to you, you know, it's like, ah. Uh. So I went upstairs and I said, hey, you know, Caleb, I'm sorry, man, you're right. I was being super grumpy. I took it out on you. You didn't do anything wrong. I was just being a jerk. Like, 
Sorry, buddy. And, um, and, and those realizations remind me of how much I need Jesus, right? And if you're a parent, <laughs> I just want to say, maybe you're like a, a thousand times better parent than me, but I just want to say that I feel like if I'm not apologizing to my kids often, then I'm a supremely arrogant parent. And, um, and, and I want to model for them a man who does his best to love them, but when I make mistakes, I want to own my mistakes. I don't want to be the guy that says, well, because I'm your parent, I can't do anything wrong. It's like, that's just not true. Like, I want to model for them, hey, you know what? When dad screws up, he owns it. And he's willing to own his mistakes, because that's what I want them to be, because they're going to make mistakes the rest of their life, just like you and I do. But we can either own it, or we can run from it. Right? We can try to be better than we are, but for what? So as we wrap up this morning, I want to recap what we've, what we've talked about. We talked about how authenticity is letting people see the real you. We also talked about how fear of rejection and people-pleasing really hinder authenticity. We also talked about how a fear of failure and refusing to face your true self can hinder authenticity. We talked about how real authenticity results in true fellowship and deeper relationships. And then we talked about two ways that we could walk in authenticity, right? We talked about accepting your shortcomings and embracing the gospel in your life. And as you hear all of this, you have to decide what are you going to do with it and how will you choose to live, right? Because you can choose to leave here the same person that you are and live the same way you've always been living. But my question is, how's that been working for you? I mean, have any, has anything that I've said to you today resonated with you even just a little bit? Are you surrounded by people even married and feeling lonely at times because nobody really knows you? I mean, has that been a fun way to live, and do you want to keep on doing that? Or do you want to live the way that God has created us to live in community with being known? And my, my assertion is that you get to choose to decide. No matter how you've lived up to today, you decide how you live tomorrow and the rest of your life. And my hope and prayer for you is that you choose to live differently so that you can experience the love that God has for you and the love that God wants to pour into you through other people. So will you join into the culture of trying to pretend like you have everything in your life together and trying to pretend like you have no problems or no chinks in your armor? You see, you really only have two options as you leave here this morning. You can keep trying to manage your self-image by hiding and wearing masks, or you can embrace the gospel and live in the freedom of authenticity. And my hope and prayer for you is that you choose the second option. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge that we desperately need you. It's a scary thing to let other people see who we really are. It's a scary thing to, to live in authenticity and the risk that's involved in that. And God, we just want to say, would you give us the courage and the faith to live the way that you've created us to live? Would you help us to be honest and vulnerable and to hide nothing in our lives?
God, would you help us to let people in and allow ourselves to be fully known? God, we need you. Would you change us? Would you make us more like you? And would you help us to see that because of what you've done for us on the cross, you've freed us to just be ourselves. God, that we don't have to live as prisoners anymore because of you. Lord, would you change us? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.